Hi, welcome to Skip's Corner, where I cover Nashville's baseball history and events and introduce you to players, coaches, and other fans. Well, we are only a few weeks away from spring training for the 2023 season. And obviously, following not far behind in April, the Major League Baseball season will open. Now, there are some rule changes that are coming about. Four mainly, pitch timer, where a pitcher has a certain amount of time, so many seconds to throw to a batter, and in between pitches also. There's a pickoff limit. He can only throw over to first base or any base, I guess, to pick off, try to pick off a player, but he can only do it twice. If he does it a third time and he doesn't get that runner out, the runner supposedly gets another base. I'll talk a little bit more about other bases in just a minute. There are defensive shift restrictions. I don't know anybody that was for the shift. And it's basically dependent on the statistics that are kept anymore. Those metrics that are kept, whether a player has a propensity to hit to the right field. I can remember growing up, coaches always said, hit the ball where it's pitched. In other words, if you're a left-handed batter, it's pitched outside down the third base side of home plate, try to hit it down the you know that part of the field. And I've seen players that still continue to take their regular swing when there's nobody playing between second base and third base, it seems like it would be automatic. I've seen some players do that where they bunt down the third baseline with nobody there, and it's created some interesting scenarios. Then the other thing is bigger bases. The bases are going from 15 to 18 inches square with the 2023 season. I think that's great. I think Maury Wills and some of these great, Lou Brock, some of these great stolen base leaders would relish that. But the changes that took place several years ago were drastic, just like these. The designated hitter, when it came about in the American League, it was not used for the National League until this past season. I always wondered why the playing field wasn't the same. In fact, my dad always said that he didn't understand why Major League Baseball parks, when they built a new park, all the dimensions weren't the same. I mean, they could be quirky in certain areas, but they all should be the same, just like the football field is the same, so is a basketball court. And I always thought that was interesting. I'm a traditionalist. I always thought, you know, I still think we ought to have American League and National League separation where there was no interleague play. But Dad was always for that. He's always said, gosh, they might as well. And, of course, it's increased fan awareness with some of the rivalries, the Mets playing the Yankees, for example, the Angels playing the Dodgers and whatnot. But also it's given the hometown fan and people watching on TV and listening on the radio a chance to see and hear players that would not normally have come to their ballpark, come to their city to play. But anyway, the designated hitter in the old days, in my old days, and the interleague play was something that was a, a change. People ask me about what I think about Major League Baseball coming to Nashville. Well, I'm for it. That doesn't take anything away from the Nashville sounds. I love the sounds. I love their ballpark. I think it's a great ballpark. And who knows when Major League Baseball will decide to expand. If they do, I mean, I hope I'm still around to see it. But I'm not sure that people say, well, it'll have to be an American League team because the St. Louis Cardinals and the Cincinnati Reds and the Atlanta Braves are also close to Nashville if that's where Mr. Manfred decides to put a team or one of the teams. Well, I'm not necessarily sure that that makes any difference because one of these days we may see 32 teams all jumbled up and the Yankees and the Mets and Boston, maybe Toronto, are in their own division. Now, this is just me, but perhaps the model such as NFL where you have four teams in in four divisions in the American League and in the National League. That would make some sense to me, especially with the interleague play. I'm not sure what difference it makes. And it's all about at the end of getting towards the end of the season so that you can make the playoffs and hopefully go to the World Series. There was an MLB rule change to intentional walks in 2017 that replaced 
the four-pitch intentional walk with a no-pitch intentional walk. The manager just told the umpire to send him to first. Well, obviously, that helped the pitcher's pitch count. (laughs) That took four pitches away from his pitch count total. I'm not sure that was ever kept as a separate ID for the pitcher's pitch count. But I want to tell you a little bit about something that was considered. It actually worked for a little while as an intentional pass rule. You're not going to believe the date. It was talked about in the Southern Association in 1933 for the 1934 season. Now think about how long ago that was. And there obviously in the 19th century were rule changes as the baseball developed and things had to be considered, you know, throwing instead of underhanding, throwing throwing overhanded. And the spitball was ruled that it couldn't be used anymore except by the 30 or so pitchers who were using it at the time that they were active when they changed the rule. And then from then on, you can't throw a spitball anymore. Well, I, I understand all that. But in the 1933, the directors of the Southern Association in the fall passed a rule that startled the baseball world, probably more than how startled we are about some of these rule changes this day. It was intended to eliminate the intentional pass, especially those issued to power hitters, because fans wanted to see those players hit long home runs and drive in runs, right? That sounds like today. The rule was presented to league directors on November the 17th by A.H. Woodward, who is the president and owner of the Birmingham Barons in Rick Woodfield. He couldn't take credit for it. It came up in a conversation that he had with a man named Pat Linehan of Birmingham, a local jeweler and a baseball fan. And he presented that rule change possibility to Woodward. And adopted by the league, the rule read like this. In any inning of next year's Southern Association games, after two outs have been made, if the pitcher delivers four consecutive balls to the batter, the batter shall be entitled to first base. Now, that's not unusual. That's the way it is. But, and any and all base runners occupying bases shall be advanced two bases, except in the event both second base and third bases are occupied, the runner on third base shall score and the runner on second base shall advance to third. That's a little bit pretty wordy there, saying the same thing, I think, in a couple of different scenarios there. However, you know, this is kind of like backyard baseball. When we were kids, and my brother and I would play with a couple other guys in the neighborhood, and there may be three to a team, and then we get the bases loaded, and who's going to bat? So we'd have a ghost runner at third. That's kind of what this sounds like, maybe a ghost runner, so it just forces in the next guy. Anyway. When the National Association of Professional Baseball Leagues held its 32nd annual meeting in Galveston, Texas, a few days later, there were plenty of opinions expressed. Judge W.G. Bramham, who presided over the minor leagues, felt the league could do as it pleased, but advised that national rules would have to be adhered to in the Dixie playoffs between the Southern and Texas leagues. Those two leagues had an agreement to play what they call the Dixie Series, after their playoff series had ended for each league. Some said there were ways to avoid the rule. In either of these situations, the runners on base would only take the normal advance, and there are three of them. Number one, in realizing his control is not very good, the pitcher could hit the batter after three balls. So the batter would take first place as usual, but there would not be an advancement of two bases for each runner that was on base if they were there. Number two, the catcher could tip the hitter's bat. Now, that would be an interference, so the batter would get first base. But once again, there would be no advancement of any player who is on base to advance two bases. And three, an unlikely scenario is the catcher could jump in front of the plate 
to catch the pitcher's throw. And I don't understand that. I understand that happening, happening on a pitch out, but not necessarily in front of a batter to keep him from taking his swing. In the December 14th, 1933 edition of the Sporting News, Woodward defended his rule change. And he said, after 25 years in baseball, the two things that have griped me the most are, one, playing for rain, and two, the intentional pass. I look upon the average American as the best sportsman in the world. I believe his sense of fair play is of the highest order. These two things are offensive to him. The intentional pass is the cue for the manager to come out of the dugout and thumb the batter to first base, thereby giving an active demonstration of the fact that the manager was afraid of the batter. Batter's given no change. The playing for rain is the hoisting of the yellow flag. Two things that Rick Woodard did not agree with. And he went on to say, by and large, it seems to me that the time has come for some innovations in the game. And I sincerely trust that the new rule as passed by the Southern Association will be given a fair trial. Well, it's likely the rule was intended for a situation where there were no strikes on the batter. As written, a pitcher could have two strikes on the batter then throw four balls wildly with no intent. Thus, the penalty would be enforced on unintentional walks. And Larry Gilbert, who was manager of the New Orleans Pelicans in those days, agreed. And when he said, I think the league officials really meant for the one-strike clause to be in the new rule, but neglected to write in it before adjourning. Now, league president John D. Martin soon announced the rule would be revised to include the one-strike clause, but would also include an amendment that would keep the rule from being interpreted that two players could occupy the same base at the same time. Now, that makes absolutely no sense to me, but I guess you have to have it in the rules or somebody's going to question it. And at a meeting in New Orleans on February the 12th, 1934, that's, what, 89 years ago, the league directors modified the rule with the adoption of an amendment presented by Gilbert. And this amendment read, if in any inning, after two outs have been made, the pitcher delivers four consecutive balls to the batter, or hits the batsman with a pitched ball, or if the batsman is interfered with by the catcher, before the pitcher throws at least one strike, the batter shall be entitled to first base, and any and all base runners occupying bases shall be advanced two bases, except with a runner on first base, or runners on first and third, or when the bases are full, each base runner shall be advanced only one base and accept that when second and third are both occupied by base runners, only the runner on third shall score and the runner on second shall be advanced to third base. Now, I want to tell you, if that's not word speak, I don't know what is. But once again, I guess they were covering all angles. In a nutshell, it meant that the runner could take two bases only if he was on second base. After utilizing the rule during spring games, some of the owners soured on the novel decree. On April the 14th, Martin announced the intentional pass rule had been rescinded by the directors of the clubs 5-3 to three in a wire vote, and only Birmingham, Memphis, and New Orleans voted to keep the rule in place. The Birmingham's Woodward suggested to Martin that the clubs consider giving the rule a two-week trial, and they agreed. And once the trial period ended, five clubs asked for repeal, and the rule was unanimously rescinded on May the 3rd. League President John D. Martin announced the result after a poll of the clubs, and he said the rule will not be effective in today's game or in any subsequent games, and that was his final say on the matter. So 
rule changes, do they mess with the game? Yeah, if you're a traditionalist, if you're a nonconformist, if you really want the game played where the record of today could stand up against a record of maybe 100 years ago, determining who's the best. I think we determine the best by era. I don't think we can compare Babe Ruth, for example, to Mike Trout. I really don't, because things are so different these days, how they're pitched to, how they play the game, park dimensions, so many things like that. So anyway, let me know your opinion. You can write to me at 262downright at gmail.com. You don't get that. It's at the bottom of the introduction to this episode segment. I'm always grateful for your comments. If you like what you're hearing, I'd like to know. If you don't, I'd like to know that too. So enjoy your week. Be back again next week. And I'm always grateful that you listen. Thank you.